Hello, happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size Podcast. I'm FPL Nemo, and I'm joined by my co-host Clayton at Clayton AFC on Twitter. We're here to review the kind of return to winning ways, I suppose, after four winless games in the Premier League with a three-one victory against Chelsea, and to preview the big game on Sunday um, against Newcastle again, which. I've still got a bit of PTSD from last year's game at their stadium. But um, how, how did it feel to go back to winning ways for you, Clayton? Um, and especially against Chelsea out of all the teams to go and batter. I think I was very happy it was them. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? The a- atmosphere was funny, like seeing Chelsea get battered and stuff. And yeah, I just thought it, the mood was just good. I think we all kind of needed that. Obviously, second half was quite disappointing. But that first half just felt like something we all needed after quite a tough April and... Yeah, just it felt easy. It was it was first half was a piece of piss, weren't it? And I think it was something that, yeah, we just felt like we needed that to kind of get. You could see it in the players as well, like the confidence kind of grew as they were playing, um, with the game, and you could see it with the crowd as well. Like obviously the Ashburton Army left when they came back. I think that coincided with like us scoring a few minutes after they came back as well. And yeah, the vibes were just good, but. Um, being very like high standards FC, I was very disappointed with the second half, if I'm being honest. But um, overall, yeah, good good result. Back to winning ways. I still, I think people are going a little bit overboard with things because like Chelsea are dog, like they are really bad. Yeah. But uh, you can only beat what's in front of you, though, right? So um, yeah, it was good. And uh, similar to you, though, like I'm, yeah, still getting over my PTSD from last year in Newcastle. So. Obviously, you um, yeah, went sure. through it as well, didn't you? You watched that one live. But, yeah, um... that was a long, long day. Like, I remember, yeah, because I went there and back in a day on the coach and I got back at like 6, 7 a.m. and then had to work. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and I, at the time I was working with a Spurs fan as well. So obviously, like, first call was like half nine in the morning with a Spurs fan in your face. I was like, fuck off. Um, but yeah, let's put that behind us, see if we can do it a bit different. Um, but yeah, should we, should we go straight into the Chelsea game? Yeah, I think so. Um, Huge lineup get... changes. Yeah, I guess just I put the data up on the screen anyway while we talk about it. But yeah, I was quite surprised. Um, I, I thought maybe Trossard would come in for maybe Jesus. Um, Martinelli was an option as well, I guess. But that's kind of the only change I thought would happen. Um, I didn't expect to see Kivior get his first kind of prem start um, in, in place of holding. I didn't expect to see kind of Jorginho get a start, but, you know, looking um, back at it against his former club and stuff, um, I guess there is something there in that. Um, but yeah, I, I was quite pleased. I felt like we kind of needed some changes after how... You were at the game going. as well, weren't you? Yeah, exactly. So I was um, just by the away fans, actually. So I was oh, just sitting, um, yeah, I was just sitting like um, right above them. And I could just, at the beginning, they were obviously very cheerful, but um, that quickly died down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw some tweets from their fans saying that was their best away end of the season and stuff. And I was I, I mean, you were closer to them than I was, but I thought they were crap. Like they had a period yeah. where they sang, but I, I thought their away end was shocking, um, which like, you'd expect being 3-0 down London Derby and stuff. But just the fact that I was seeing claims from them on like, oh, yeah, that was one of our best aways of the season. I was like, how shit are your fans if that's one of your best? Like that doesn't come close. That doesn't their best doesn't come close to one of our worst. Like, yeah, I didn't, yeah. It's very nice seeing Chelsea struggle. I fucking hate them and everything about them. Like, 
the way they've kind of come to where they are as a football club, like how they've done it, like they're 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 such a tin pot club historically. Like they they were literally trying. Do you remember the save the bridge and all of that? Like having to yeah. auction themselves to save themselves as a football club. So I really hope this continues, like them in this trajectory. And I really hope the kind of long term contracts and spending comes back to bite them, and they don't manage to sell what they need. But I fucking yeah, they're in a bit them. of a situation, really aren't they? Um... Like what they've kind of done with committing so many players, they're kind of locked in with all of them for a long time. So I guess they're going to have to sell some if they want to buy more because they've, they've genuinely just gone and completely fucked themselves a bit, if you really yeah. think about it. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, going back to the actual game, though, I was the same as you. And I saw the line, I think my predicted lineup was I think I said Trossard in for Jesus. And I just thought the rest mm. would be the same. I thought it would be Xhaka in midfield, Xhaka party Odegaard. I thought Holding would play again. Because um, going into the game, like I know we've seen it now, but going into the game, I was just adamant Arteta wouldn't do the two left footers at centre-back thing, but he did it. Um, and yeah, it'll be good to have a discussion on that because that's the thing I think people are going a bit OTT on personally in terms of how well Kivior did and stuff. But yeah, I think, I think the opposition is important to keep in mind. Like people hear Chelsea and they just think of the Chelsea of old. But, you know, this is a team that if the season went on a few more games, they'd probably get relegated. So honestly, I genuinely like, believe genuinely, that. Now. Yeah, if the season was like terrible. five games longer, I actually think they'd go down. That's insane. It's so bad, honestly. I think they are one of the worst teams in the Prem today. Like they're just shockingly bad. So I wouldn't read too much into kind of beating them. Um, to be perfectly no. honest, I think the Newcastle game will be a whole different uh, kettle. <laughs> like that's gonna be. Both teams trying to, you know, really go for it there. So I think that's quite interesting. Um, with Kibior, one thing I would say is, like, I think we knew he was quite athletic when he arrived and broke all the kind of records from, like, standing jump, spring jump, sprints. He beat, like, Walcott, Henry, all these guys. Like, he's very rapid. So, so yeah. and I think we saw it when he subbed on, wasn't it, against Liverpool? And he made that run, and that was about <laughs> all he had to show that day. But this was his first proper start. And I think people are going overboard again saying like, oh, you know, they're upset because now that they've seen him play, they're like, why didn't we play him sooner? Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing going overboard. Like, like from what I've understood, right, from what they've said in the interviews, like, he can't speak English yet, barely. And he had no idea what was going on around him in a new country, in a new club, in a yeah. new environment. I think now they're saying he's settling a bit and it, he's starting to feel like he's at home and he's understanding what they need from him. And so I think maybe now was just the time when he was ready. Like maybe just unfortunately he wasn't ready a few games before when we wanted him. Right. Like yeah, I, think I think it's as simple as that. I think it's that, but also like people, okay. fair. I'm not going to lie. Like it had, he played against West Ham and Southampton. Yeah. Possibly as a team, we go on and win those games because we're playing higher up. Like they've got the confidence and stuff. But one thing I'll flip back to that is the Southampton game. We conceded so early. And I feel like everyone's pinning things on Rob Holding. That first goal was not on Rob Holding, the one that set us up to kind of struggle for the rest of the game. So, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure Kivio playing in that Southampton game would have changed anything about that first goal, which then set the tone for the rest of the game. Like Our whole plan would have changed, right? So it's kind of like, imagine we had a tactical game plan with Holding in it and we were going to play slightly differently than when Saliba plays in that slot. And 20 seconds in, we can't execute that plan yeah, anymore because we've already exactly. done what we did. Yeah, so I just think it's... It, I can understand where people are coming from, but like I just think it's very easy with hindsight to say that. But the, the one 
thing I just want to say, just while we're talking about him, is like he was very mm. impressive. Like he looked very good. But I do think you can't take too many conclusions from one of the worst coherent attacks this season I've seen us play. Like there was no structure to their press, like or anything they were doing. And one thing I'm a little bit nervous for, like so you know the two left footed two left footers at centre back, what I talk about. I think we're going to see the limitations of that on Sunday when we play Newcastle, who actually press as a team. And because I don't think people picked up on this, and I don't know if it's because I overanalyze things, but Kivio was limited in his angles where he was passing, and we got away with it because mm. Chelsea were dog shit. But the the angles he had when he got the ball were so limited that we he had to kind of channel it into one area of the pitch. Um, and that wasn't a problem against Chelsea because we had Jorginho there. Like we were controlling the ball. It was easy. It was fine. But against a team like Newcastle, they're very clever in the way they press and they're very physically imposing. I think we may see a limitation of this that I think Arsenal fans have just kind of completely glossed over because he looked good against Chelsea. Therefore, he's the best thing since sliced bread because Rob Holding set the bar so low sort of thing. But don't get me wrong. I think he's a very good player. Well, I don't know that. From what I've seen, I can tell he's got potential. Um, he did. He yeah, did he's very, very well. young, just, so he's an exciting prospect. Think, yeah, I just think people are getting a little bit carried away and maybe ignoring things that could be a problem. But maybe that's just me being over analytical on it. So something interesting, actually, because I mentioned this to a few people I know about, like kind of the two left footers at centre back. Um, because you do often see two right footers at centre back, but you don't it's really so see different, two though. left footers. And that, that's what I mean. So I was trying to understand like why that was. And this account on Twitter, EBL, who I don't know, he's oh. fallen off a bit, but he's fallen yeah. off a bit. But so he, he kind he's of like Marmite, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love him or hate him. I don't know what Same I like. None with thing. They, they're both kind of these, these these kind of fake keyboard Pep Guardiola's out there. But, yeah. Um, but he said it was around kind of the reason he said you don't see so many two left-footed uh, centre-back pairings is because like they're typically left footers for whatever reason are typically more gifted with their preferred foot than a right footer is. And that results in an over-reliance and over-usage of it as they develop. So he says right footers, on the other hand, are forced to use both, whereas left footers end up becoming more reliant and one-footed, whereas right footers are a bit more aware of using both. And then someone else added um, left footers are more rare than right footers, so left-footers will almost always play left-centre-back. Most teams have two right-footed centre-backs, so they need to train their weak foot more. So it's also because there's so few left-footed centre-backs that if you are left-footed centre-back, you will just slot in at left-centre-back. Left yeah. So you're not really forced to train the other angles. Whereas yeah. other centre-backs who are right-footed, like, you know, I think it was um, Plonker I was speaking to, Aaron, and he said that obviously at the Game Week 39 match in the FPL community, he got like told to play right centre back, and he's a left foot. Oh, what is he left foot? Never oh. played that, and he was like, "What the fuck?" Like he didn't know what it's was a, going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it, it's a lot more unnatural, and it, I I couldn't tell you why, but like if you're a right footed person playing left centre back, the angles are a little bit more open to you compared to if you're a left footed centre back playing on the right side. And I don't know what it, I don't know why that is, but it is the case and like even just picture yourself there it's easier if you're on the left as a right-footed person to play the pass out to the left than the other way around and I, I don't know what that is but it it's a thing right like you don't you don't see it at the top level and that's for a reason um, because of how much it does limit you in your build-up and I think yeah like I said it was fine he did very well there was lots of really positive things to take away from it I'm just a little bit 
cautious that that is the kind of blueprint <laughs> that's going to save us sort of thing. Like I, like, I don't know if he's even going to start against Newcastle, but I guess we'll talk about that in the preview. We'll talk, that, yeah. um, we'll talk more about the Chelsea game. So I guess from your perspective, like, what do you think like the Chelsea tactic was? Because to me, it looked like it was passion <laughs> over tactics. Uh, literally, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Like, and even uh, one thing I noticed about us was when we were pressing, I noticed Odegaard was literally up next to Jesus. It kind of looked like we were, this was a, a quite a big change I'd seen in us. But, and I don't know if it was because Kivio was in the team, we were able to kind of press a bit higher up the pitch and yeah, push up that five, 10 yards that we've not been able to withholding in. Um, but I noticed we were kind of pressing in like a four four two, and they just couldn't get out. And it was really nice to see for us. And I think, like I said, you could see us just grow into the game. And um, it just felt like there was a period before the first goal where I just felt like we were in control, but we weren't really getting clear openings. Mm-hmm. And then the goal was like, it just our goal just felt like sheer kind of. You know, Liverpool of old, it's just like they just keep knocking and you just know the house is going to fall down. Yeah, just felt like that. And it was a really nice move. I think it was Xhaka, maybe, he was on the left, passed it through into Odegaard. And what a finish that was. Like, that's not easy. Xhaka definitely has that kind of cutback in his locker. I've seen it a few times. Um, but I felt like the two goals that Odegaard scored, they were almost identical. I think the first one was maybe a better finish, but it was just crazy, right? Like, I just, I, like that finish for the first one from Odegaard, I was like, wow. Like, yeah. This guy has gone on to become like everything we didn't think he had, which is like we knew he was a great gifted playmaker. But, you know, when he came on loan, like I think maybe most of us would have felt like he didn't have that killer instinct in front of goal. And now I don't know if you've seen the stat, but he's obviously on 14 non-penalty goals from midfield. And he's one away from breaking the Premier League record, all-time record. Is it? The highest ever non-penalty goal scored by any midfielder in the Prem is 15. And wow. he's on 14 now. So what? I'm, just I'm guessing that was Lampard, shit. right? So I think he might already have like caught him and others. But um, there was Holy like the... Shit. Yeah, I'm just having a quick look. I think I don't know if I've saved the exact thing, but let me see. Because it's actually wild because he's on 14. I think there's a few players on 15 or 14. Yeah. So he's, clo- he's close with a few of them. But when you see remember- the names, like you're like, holy shit. And do you remember the thing I was talking about in pre-season? The thing I was very, like, we were both talking about Arteta's aspiration to get to, like, 100 goals, and we were trying to reverse engineer it. Like, where is that coming from? And the thing I was so confident in was, like, our number eights becoming goal scorers because you could see it in the back end of last season as we were tweaking to, like, the number eights arriving in the box. You could see it with Xhaka, even though the output wasn't there per se. But that's one thing that it was clear for people who were watching our patterns of play that was going to come, and... Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't think it would be fourteen non-penalty goals for Odegaard, but um, yeah, it's really nice. To yeah, see. so I've got it here. Yeah, so it says the most ever non-penalty goals in Premier League season by midfielders: uh, Kevin De Bruyne, fifteen in twenty-one twenty-two season last year; uh, Yaya Torre, fourteen oh, yeah, in cool. 2014 season; Frank Lampard with thirteen in two thousand and ten. Uh, Gerard with 12, 2008. Fabregas with 12, 2009. Damn. So, like, he's Not already on 14, right? He's matched Yaya Torre, and he just has one more to match the Bruyne. 
Yeah, that is wild. That, that is, is wild, wild when you think about it. It's really, it's kind of in a way like we're going to get to the kind of the goal numbers that I thought we would never get to when I said I was about hundred goal seasons and stuff, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I always believed in him, but I, I struggled to get my head around it. I was like, I just don't see where or how we're going to get to there. And like, okay, we may not get to a hundred this season, but like, we're on the trajectory of a team that I think next season we, I think we'll get there. I'm very confident. We're on 81, right? And we have four yeah. games to go. So I think we could still kind of get I think close we'll do to 90. It. But I think what's frustrating is obviously we've done all this. We've got all these records, like with the Odegaard record that he might break soon. Uh, we're also the only team in Europe's top five leagues with at least four players with 10 plus league goals. So Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, Jesus all have 10 plus league goals. Only team in all of Europe with that. And we're also we have at least three players with 20-plus goal involvements in the Premier League. So it's like everything we didn't have, we've got. And yet here we are against a behemoth that has won four (laughs) of the last five leagues, has the best manager of all time, has spent six, seven years building this iteration of themselves, has brought in a guy who just broke the Premier League goal scorer record in 31 games against players who had 43-game seasons. And he still has games to go. And it's like, that's the fucking season that we've now come and we've come all this way. And this is what we've come up against. (laughs) I know. I'm going to say something that a lot of people may disagree on, but I actually, because I think we're only going to get better. I don't see us going backwards. I think this is our floor now and we're just going to keep increasing the floor. I actually think for next season, it's in Arsenal's best interest if City go on to win the treble this year, as painful as it would be. Uh, like that, and that's just like obviously, I would love us to win the league if we can, but just assuming we don't. The reason yeah, I think that is if they win, if they win the league, I want them to be like a uh, United in the FA Cup and take yeah, out Madrid and, on the way to the final. Like, and don't get me wrong, but, I don't like seeing another English team win the Champions League, but the reason I say it's in our best interest is you know, the drop off Liverpool had when they were like one game away from winning the quad. I don't think it will be quite like that with City, but I do think psychologically. How can you go and win? Like the treble is everything you could dream of as a professional footballer. How do you maintain that level? I don't think you do. And even if it is like at this top level that we're playing at, all you need is a 2% drop and that's the difference. Mm. And I just think these, like we saw it with our team last year where they missed out on top four and look how we came back this year. Like obviously we increased the They were hungry, but we increased the quality as well as that. We're going to do the same again next season. and I've got no doubt in my mind. So I kind of think if City do go on to win the treble, they'll take, they'll drop 2% and that may be enough because I still think it's going to be us up there next year. People say Chelsea will improve, Liverpool will be back, United will be back. Yeah, fair enough, they might, but we're going to improve and go up a level too. And I think those others have too much work to do to get to a title challenge level, in my opinion. So this is equally controversial, but in a different way. And I think that Arteta's coaching of the individual players in his system has blinded people into thinking that his squad build is complete for a challenge. He said he was in phase three of five and he's got there early. Yeah, he I don't wants think that's controversial. Midfielders. He wants another right-sided winger that's left-footed. He wants full-back cover. You know, he probably wants another centre-back. He wants maybe another type of striker like we are a long way away from the kind of the final assembled yeah. squad that he wants in the I'd way say we're a year ahead of schedule yeah and we're still not even where we want to be yet Honestly, really like, like 
when when you say about the phases the way i like it, it's all interpretation but my interpretation of that is like phase three which is where i think we are now for them was probably about like maintaining a consistent domestic top four challenge like quite comfortably yeah i think it's phase four which is where we're ahead of schedule in my opinion was about kind of competing for the league consistently and like not a one-off like showing signs of sustainability like year in year out yeah but what which is what i think we've done in the manner we've done it this season and then phase five in my opinion is challenging for all honors and consistently across and all competitions yeah that's how i interpreted it and that's what i think we're a year ahead of schedule i honestly believe that and i'm so confident in the underlying processes underpinning this football club and what we're trying to do it is so sustainable like i'm so i, I just for content i slapped 50 quid on us to win the league next year by the way just putting it out there i've already done nice. this. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, I, th- I think the reason I brought all this up is because uh, we said before the kind of Chelsea game when we were look- looking at the five games left before we obviously won that it was really important that we don't now just fall off and let City walk away with it, but that we maintain yeah. the pressure all the way till the last day, till the end, till they have those two away games against uh, Brighton and Brentford in the final week of the season with the Madrid ties. Um, so I think that's the thing, right? Like if we now go on and let Say if we won all four of what's left, and I'm not saying we will, but if we did, so I'm just looking at how many points. So we're on 78 points now. If we won all four, right, we'd be on 90 points, right? Now, if yeah. we don't win the league on 90 points, then fair enough. Then that means City will have gone on a 14 game win run in the Premier League yeah. to get there, and which is no like, what one can else I do about that. Yeah, right? no one but else. I just want us to put that, that pressure on. And exactly. you know what's crazy? So the predictors, a lot of these predictor sites like 538 and stuff, they currently have City set to finish on 89 points. So even now, from okay. this position, they still have City on 89. So we like if the predictions that they have for City go right, and we won all four of what we have left, we'd be on 90. So it's not all yeah. lost. I think there are still a no, no, few times. There's twists and turns to go. Obviously, West Ham, they had a bug or illness around the camp, so the whole first team got rested against City. Um, if you ask me, that's just to avoid fines for like fielding a team that's illegal because it was too weak and throwing the match. Clearly, I think that they just wanted to rest their players for more winnable games. And you could yeah. call me a tinfoil hat guy, but I think they just made up the illness. But, you know, if I see proof <laughs> of the illness, fair enough. But I don't trust them. I think it's bollocks. Um, so fuck them because they took <laughs> points from us and then rested their team against City. Wankers. I hope Dan's watching. Um, so- <laughs> Hey, no, Dan, I'm calling your your, your manager out with his uh, dark art tactics there. If you've got a real photo of someone being sick and food poisoned, then fair enough. But so far, I've just heard words and nothing more from the manager. Um, obviously, um, the Fulham game, they couldn't quite do it either, which is frustrating. It is what it is. They now go against a Leeds team that everyone has kind of said is relegated already. But... You saw them Big Sam interviews. Come on, I think Big my Sam. Man's coming. Come on, Big Sam. Do it for us. You're going to park the dirtiest bus we've ever seen in our life. <laughs> I really hope he can do it, man. Um, he, obviously, did you see Pep responded? They asked him in the presser to prep. They were like, yeah. have you heard what Sam Allardyce said about uh, how he doesn't think you and Klopp and Arteta are better than him? And he's like, same. And he was like, yeah, he's completely fucking right. He's like, just yeah. because someone's <laughs> young and is a tinker coach and like tactician, doesn't mean 30 years of being in the Prem from Big Sam is just forgotten. Bro, this guy's England's best ever manager. 100% win record. <laughs> Who else can boast that shit? 
So yeah, uh, England's best ever manager is coming to save. Don't uh, get me Arsenal's wrong. I, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not getting my hopes up, but you are right. It, it, it's not. It's yeah, not. I'm over. just teasing um, you. This is just yeah. pure banter. Like if there's a team oh, no, that's going to no. take the points, I don't. Think it's just. It's, it's the hope. It's the hope <laughs> that's getting to me. It's like you dangling this little bit of hope in front of me. I'm like, don't do it. Get off. <laughs> Oh, but I, yeah, yeah, back I, to the so Chelsea we'll, game. Whatever though. happens, yeah, the Chelsea game. So we talked about Odegaard's first goal. Should we talk about um, the second goal from Odegaard? Um, obviously, the the goal from Jesus shortly after in the thirty sixth minute. That was and funny, kind of... wasn't it? It was like, was it like it was, <laughs> I was a great ball in? I was there watching it, and it was a bit crazy because it wasn't it. Um, did Jacker take Jacka. it? Like, who took the shot? But, Jacka took the shot. Jacker, but it's like he was falling as he did it, and he just like stabbed his leg at it. It was. <laughs> yeah, so he was falling. He kicked it. Keeper bounced it back out, right? And then, like, Jesus just was there. Like, he just poached the fuck out of that. I thought it was a yeah, tight it was a good finish for him to, to poach from. It yeah. was. It was yeah, tight. It was, quite it was a difficult, angle. man. Yeah, but it was pretty thing, difficult, was... I thought. Yeah, but it was... Yeah, even Odegaard's second goal was... Uh, yeah, again, it was a nice move. And it's a bit of a scruffy finish, but, yeah, it went in. But, like, at 3-0, we were just coasting. And I think this is my... Like not trying to be negative, but like there are areas of this team that still I think there's a lot of room to grow where I just don't think we've got that ruthlessness or killer instinct in us still where like, I don't know, we've we've shown it in some games, but free no up. Like I'm not saying we need to go and get four, five, six, but like it wouldn't bloody hurt. And we have the quality and the game state was in our favour to go and do that. And I think even if you're not doing that, you know, the like 200,000 passes he spoke about, which we're not even mm. doing that. I don't know what happens, but like, it's really frustrating because I feel like Arsenal, when winning comfortably, are kind of like one of the worst teams in the league right now. Yeah, no, I do think so. And our numbers since the World Cup restart, especially in the last four or five, have really fallen off from a kind of um, expected goals conceded point of view, at least. Um, like, you know, this team, like, at 3-1, what we didn't want to happen is that it became a scramble like some of the other games where we went two up at West Ham or two up at Anfield. Um, that we couldn't let a team in this dire of form kind of come back at us. But, you know, the first half, it, we started at a crazy pace. Like, we had a couple of, you know, sights on goal in the first few minutes. Yeah. Um, I think there was Saka. Do you remember he had the um, looping header that Kepa spilled and then it was kind of scrambled oh, yeah, away? yeah, I forgot about that. So there was a few moments like Xhaka had one denied by Kepa when as Pilaqueta headed it back and he like proactively mm. read it, right? Exactly. Then, he took yeah. it off as Pilaqueta. Yeah, that, that was it because it was a loose back header. That's the one. Um, so there was, you know, a few changes. So, you know, we saw there was some new life in the team, the the, the changes to the lineup. We, we were trying to bounce back from the previous match. You know, everything looked good, but I, I still think that first goal from Odegaard, we can't understate how composed he was. And yeah. just it was such a classy finish, honestly. And, and that Xhaka low cross, like I say, like I think he has that kind of he's cut back in his locker. Yeah, he's got yeah. that in his locker. Um, and then obviously he went and did it again. It was pretty much a similar goal. Um, we talked about the Jesus goal. That was a bit of, um, had to be know, a bit of a bit of a fortunate one, maybe in the sense that it was just a bit of a scramble in that box. But um what do you think but about again, the it's like half, then? It, the, the scramble in the box, but it's because of our structure and positioning. Like when mm. we've got teams pen, like boxed in, I just feel like we're always going to score. And like people will say, oh yeah, they're scrappy goals, but these scrappy goals become because of our like underpinning structure that makes people pin in. Like even the Nketiah winner against Man United, like on the face of it, it looks like a scrappy goal, but by sheer probability and just... Uh, I don't know what the word is, repetitiveness of like, you're, you've you got them pinned in, 
you're gonna just barge the door down and that's the thing like that's what it was nice to see us doing again because i feel like we kind of lost an element of that in the last couple of well in the month of april but um yeah I what did you think about their goal i was quite annoyed yeah, that's what i was Zinchenko gonna say because that's quite annoying because obviously the second half started and you would hope we'd carry on you know the way we went yeah. about the first half but um, so but we did continue to pepper their goal at the start of the second half but then also are we mentioning Aubameyang he went off at half time didn't he oh of course I didn't even realise it was a half time sub but I know he had like nine touches or something and four of them were he from kickoff non-existent do you see the video of him like at in the pre-match he, when he, he looked emotional him? he looked full of regret I thought like, I was yeah yeah, I don't know. I see two types of Arsenal fans' opinions on this. Um, some are saying they What's feel yours? bad for him. Um, I, I probably feel bad for him, but I think I some people were saying he's a mercenary kind of F him, but I don't think that's fair. I, I think, look, like, he is not made for a team that Arteta wanted that wants to control possession and press yeah. and press the fuck out of the opponent for, all the way from the striker back. He's maybe made for a team that wants to play on the counter. And that playing on the counter won us an FA Cup when Arteta first arrived and maybe allowed him the freedom to, you know, stay those years and get to this stage and build with the patience. And, you know, they asked Arteta how we should welcome Aubameyang back to the stadium. And he said, with respect, and, you know, this guy, he yeah. delivered us silverware. He was a great servant yeah. of the club. Yeah, like, I think people are so quick to throw him in the same bucket as previous players who've left us, who've been upset at. And the reason I don't like it is I know he kind of downsized tools towards the end of it, as did Messer. But our whole lives, we've been upset at our players leaving us in their kind of prime or like going to another club. And Ozil and Oba both stayed. Like, they were yeah. the only two I can think of in the last 15 years that didn't abandon us. Now, it didn't work out. They stayed and it wasn't good for us. And they went on huge salaries and did fuck all. But they kind of earned those contracts and we used to complain that these players wouldn't stay. And then the yeah, two that I'm... stayed were all shitting on them. Like, be, like I understand, obviously, he went to Barca, that didn't quite work out. In a way, the reason I say I feel bad for him is because he obviously arrived at Chelsea, signed for Tuchel to play for Tuchel. Yeah. And as soon as the window shut, they sacked him. Yeah, so I'm... he didn't even get to play a minute, basically, for the guy he went to reunite with at that club. <laughs> so I, I feel yeah, bad I'm... in that sense. I'm kind of similar to you, to be fair. My, mine's more like he, he was a man child, right? <laughs> like, yeah, he, oh, he was a, yeah, 100%. And like, the we evolved as a football club beyond, um, we became more mature, like beyond his level of immaturity. And I think like he's a grown man, but he made mistakes, but we're all human, right? And I just think, I don't know, like, I don't think anything he did was out of maliciousness to or spite. I think he was just. A, he's a man child who made mistakes and I just I think okay fair enough he he got sanctioned and he got dealt with like that's in the past it's dealt with and I think you could see what I read from that on his face was like damn if I had another roll of the dice how different I'd have behaved that's how I kind of read into it and I get yeah, it like I he had his chance to fit but... in because I think no, the, no, way no. the team we were building right yeah. I think they would have got him out regardless is what no, I've I, agree. I guess I'm to like the point of there's been two Arsenal fans this week. Yeah. I'm more on the sympathetic side of things. Like I just I don't think anything he did was out of maliciousness towards Arsenal Football Club, in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, obviously, um, Mike says he was late for the North London derby as captain. Unacceptable. That that's fair. I think that is a fair point. Um, again, I don't think it, like I think he was just an idiot. Like, I think that's what I mean. I think he's just a yeah. man child rather than malicious. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly where I'm going with that. But yeah, on that note, afternoon, Mike. Good to see you, Terence. Shalom, buddy. Hey, guys. Got FPL sandwich. Thanks for tuning in. San is here. Good day. Such a nice beautiful one, performance. Um, yeah, so this is a good point. So Xhaka has the same number of goals as Bruno and one assist less than him. Oh, right. Come on, Xhaka, you can do more. Yeah, in the Prem this season, he's he's been on it, mate. Um, and then we have Sankal just commenting on what you said about such a telling statement. Arsenal, when winning comfortably, are one of the worst teams. Um, yeah, I, I get that. It was very outlandish. But like, honestly, we're, we're not very good when we're winning. Like, we, I don't think we have that killer in us yet or like well yeah like I said I, don't, I think we've, we're lacking two things one is the killing going and getting like what we did against Forest go score five kill it off uh, I still think we're missing that consistently and then also just kill the game like what City do just pass it around take the piss out of the team but not in a complacent way in a like drain them and I think that will come I've, I'm very confident that will come next season to be fair but just not quite there yet yeah, and then just on this, just before we move on to the Newcastle preview, I just thought I'd add what Terence <laughs> said, which I totally agree with, that Lampard is the worst manager in Premier League history. Um, I honestly just like, like if you just a final thought on his lineup, he, I think it was Arsenal Vision, maybe I was listening to, and they were saying, like, yeah, he just basically banged on like his three fastest players in attack and was like, hmm, we can counter like this, and then forgot that you need a midfield to get the counter going. <laughs> like the guy has no fucking clue. He's so out of I mean. his depth. When He's you asked so what, out of his depth. when you asked me like what were the tactics, I, I couldn't tell you. I literally could not tell you. That was and even with it was put my three fastest players up yeah. front and hope for a counter. Like that, and that even with Abamyang, you can tell like Lampard's a simple mind. It was literally oh, he won a bag against his old team only. He, like, said, that's it. It. he, he oh, said it. He? he said in the press. He said oh, <laughs> like Abamyang will be motivated. I said to that play tongue in cheek. But... <laughs> no, no, he said he literally fucking Lampard said this. No joke in his interview. No, he is. Abba hasn't started since November. Honestly, Are you putting yeah. him in a game against Arsenal because you think he'll be extra motivated? Like that is wild. He is. He is not conference level. Like he, everything he's getting is. I gotta be careful what I say, but yeah, I think you know what I'm about to get out. But then the rest of it is because of what he's done at Chelsea as a football yeah. player, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like obviously as a legendary player, but that kind of has carried him to jobs that maybe you sh- wouldn't normally ever yeah, expect him to get on qualifications. The, yeah, it shouldn't be in the conversation at all. Even what he did at Derby wasn't that impressive. He basically had Chelsea's best loanees there, like, and what was it? He took him from sixth to sixth. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah like they finished in the same. But I think it was fourth to fourth or sixth to sixth, and yeah, obviously like, they didn't manage to win the playoffs, so they didn't get promoted. So what did yeah, he truly he, achieve there? He's another. I fucking hate him. So it's good to see him doing shit. Yeah, no, I'm glad. Um, oh, I'm so he, angry he is on a different planet. I'm, just, I'm recovering um, from COVID, so. <laughs> I, I think Terence is talking about Lampard, but he says he didn't have footballing IQ, but he apparently scored very high in a Mensa test. So maybe he's got genius IQ, but he just doesn't apply. Yeah, no, I've actually like. heard that. Apparently he's like very book smart, but like you can tell. Okay. It's hard to say like one of the greatest ever goal scoring Premier League midfielders has no football IQ, but as a manager, yeah, like he, I'm going to say he has IQ, manager as, IQ. Managerial wise, fuck no, he is not there. <laughs> Yeah, I think football-wise, you can't say that with the, the records he holds. Um, 
I guess the question then is, because there isn't too much more to say, we discussed the goals and obviously we're disappointed yeah, with that Manu score. But yeah, what are we thinking for Sunday? So obviously I said I'm not even sure if Kivior would start. Um, I'd like to think he will, but is there a world in which, you know, Arteta surprises us again? So I'm I'm quite confident in my predicted 11. Should I say mine? Yeah, go for it. So I think it'll be same, uh, yeah, obviously Ramsdale in goal, uh, I think the back four is going to be the same. I actually think like so. He said Gabriel should be fine, and um, yeah, he should train either today or tomorrow. So I think it's going to be White, Kivi, or Gabriel and Zinchenko. I've seen a few people on Twitter saying they want Tierney in for Zinchenko. I think that's again a fan want versus what we actually think will happen. So I think it'll yeah. be the same back four. I think part. I thought we didn't really speak about him. I thought Jorginho did well against Chelsea, but I actually think Party will come back in. And it will be party Odegaard, Xhaka. And I think it's because of the physicality I'm expecting we'll be up against. Like, yeah, the PTSD from last year, it's going to be a physical midfield battle. Um, and I just think we're going to need party in there, as despite how well Jorginho did. And then front three, I'm confident in my logic behind this, but like, I may look like a tit. I think it's going to be Saka, Jesus, Trossard again. And the reason why is I think tactically in this game, I think where have we looked susceptible and vulnerable recently? It's like in the basketball matches I keep talking about, right? And when transitions become a thing and stuff. And I just think Trossard gives us from the left, he gives us an element of control that we lack with Martinelli. I think Martinelli enables us to go and be direct and kind of counter and transition ourselves. But I don't think we actually want or need that against Newcastle. I think where they're going to look to press us quite aggressively. And I actually think they're going to look, you know what I said about Kivio's potential limitations. I think we're going to see a lot of this on Sunday where they're going to look to press at an angle where we can't escape and we get boxed into one corner because of the angle. But going back to that point, if they're pressing with their physicality and stuff, I think he may opt for Trossard to give us that level of technical security and, keep stay the further off the pitch longer. He almost yeah. like how Grealish plays for Man City. Right? Yeah. Like, he just like I think even Morris to an extent this year I've noticed the wingers for City they kind of just hold the ball and they yeah. just they, they won't really release unless they know it's going to definitely go into like Haaland to score. So that's kind of my logic behind what I think the team will be. But yeah, I may be well off, but that's the logic I've arrived at. What about you? So something I think, and I don't know if I've lost the plot here, is I'm wanting to see Jorginho and Party play together in a double pivot. Or like Jorginho in like the Xhaka role, maybe. So I'm I'm wondering if like maybe this oh. is a game where that would happen. Yeah. Well, I I did really enjoy watching Jorginho actually last game, and it kind of made me think like, you know, he's actually like a lot better defensively than I've given him credit for in the past. I wonder in his younger days, obviously, like when he was before he even came to the Prem and when he first arrived, he he was pretty good. Um, he's obviously not got the same pace anymore. And when I saw our midfield, you know, I was kind of scared. When I saw that Xhaka, Jorginho, Odegaard midfield, I was a bit like, is this like the slowest midfield we've ever started? Like, <laughs> that I've been to a stadium to watch. So I was pleasantly surprised that we were fine, basically. Um, but I would love to see maybe Party and Jorginho together with Odegaard. I, I don't know if we'll see it in this game. You think he could play Xhaka's role then? That's the thing. I think he might... I, I don't at all. Fine-tune but... it. No, so I think he might fine-tune sure. it. As in, like, just to play the double pivot to prevent Newcastle because they have been so strong this season. Um, you know, yeah. they they have conceded the least goals in the Prem. 
<laughs> and yeah. at home, I think they've lost one game, maybe. Like, if that, I, I don't know. So, like, yeah. this is a serious <laughs> test for us. Um, I think we've got enough, um, but I, I, I would love to see that. I would I like, don't, I don't now that you've said it, yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, what you just said. I think it's something I would like to see a double pivot with Odegaard traditionally as like a 10 of like Jorginho and party. Yeah. Because, yeah, but like, I think those three together in a game like this, I think Newcastle would struggle to get the ball off us. Uh, like, And that's what we need. And that's where I think we may Because then you've got Zinchenko with them too, right? So you've got kind of, you'll have like um, party and Jorginho together, but then they've also got uh, Zinchenko as an outlet. So they don't, like Odegaard doesn't yeah. need to worry about being back. Like he can just let them do first phase. Zinchenko help them get the ball to Odegaard up the top. But I'm not sure if we yeah. will see a change of system. But I, I just because I've noticed Pep recently, he does have the squad to be able to sometimes tinker the way they play to opponents. Yeah. And like he has plan B, plan C. And we seem to just generally have the same plan. And obviously earlier yeah. in the season it felt like even though teams knew what we were going to do, they still couldn't stop it. But now, yeah. in the way we've played recently, I don't think we're going to cut through Newcastle the way we cut through Chelsea. I think that's the bigger test. So with that, a yeah, lot more too. defensive solidity. But I don't know if you will. In terms of the lineup, I like I like the thinking there. Yeah, what what yeah, are you no, going that's with? My then, if you have in terms, to so in the front the three, yeah. So the back line, I agree <clears> with you. I think as long as Gabriel's fit, I think maybe you're right. Maybe actually, keep your will start. But if if Gabriel isn't fit, then I imagine keep your plays left centre back with holding in right centre back. Yeah. Um, there's that kind of Jorginho. Uh, Do you Jacques see any debate. situation where Tierney comes in or? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I just think that regardless of where we might get exposed by um, Zinchenko's kind of play further up the pitch, it's a choice because yeah. it enables us to play the Arteta way. And I, I don't think we'll be able to play the Arteta way otherwise. So the front three, so apart from the Jorginho party, sorry, Jorginho-Jaka debate between us, maybe Jorginho again, the only other position I'm wondering is that kind of Trossard-Martinelli position. I do think Jesus starts, so it's whether I think Martinelli or Trossard starts. And I can see a world in which you bring on Martinelli against tired legs as a super sub and you start with the control of Trossard. So I think you've talked me into Trossard starting <laughs> again and I don't think Jesus is going to be benched for that. No. I think similar, but going with the logic and why Trossard, I think that's why you need Jesus as well because of that. Like it, the ball will stick with him. Like you need him. He's he's got the physicality as well, right? He's got the physicality and the technical security. So I, I think we absolutely have to have Jesus start this. But um, yeah, what you said about Martinelli though, that's something that I was thinking as well. Like start with that level of control and then bring the level of finishing on. Um, and I think I think we'll see that a lot uh, in the final four games. I think he's going to use the uh, use them to like according to different game states quite often um yeah but so sorry what was your midfield prediction are you going with so i think so i think i'm gonna go with the Jorginho over jaco interesting you think he's gonna do it yeah i think that's my only change in the entire 11 to the 11 is that actually you think that's what he's gonna do yeah i I just feel like because i I think arteta rewards players for performances and like i don't know how Jorginho couldn't start after like what he did to his old club um yeah. Equally, Xhaka got two assists, right? And he took the shot for the first goal that Jesus scored. So yeah, it's a tough one there. It's like they both did well. So how do you reward both of them? 
Laporte's not going to no, miss mate, out. This game well, requires... Well, maybe well, he is someone who misses out. Fuck. Yeah, well, if I ask you that, do you think there's a world <laughs> in where party just doesn't start? What What's your response to that? Because he has no, been a bit... I know, but but I do think that might be crazier than Xhaka not starting. So I still think he'll start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I I think he will. I think he will. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So why don't we go to what about our predictions? The Um, the fun part. Yeah. Let us know in the chat. Yeah. So I think Terence saying Jorginho at a party. Like I I wouldn't mind seeing that. I just don't know if he would do it because maybe he wants parties kind of physicalness against uh, Newcastle, which are very strong midfield. I think without party. In this game, I think we'd get eaten alive. Again, I, d- I don't think you can judge the Chelsea game and look at that as a predictive way of how the Newcastle game would go. I think it's two completely different oppositions, two completely different systems. Like It's a level of tactical aptitude that are like two leagues apart in Newcastle and Chelsea. Um, and I just... If I see part- Jorginho instead of party, I think I'd shit myself a little bit personally, despite how well he did against Chelsea. On that note, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what you <laughs> on mean. On that yeah. cheery so, note, in terms, so um, I, yeah. So, what do I think the score would be? I I've been asking you to go first for the last few. I think um, I I don't know. We just don't keep clean sheets anymore. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with. I want like I don't know if it's just, just my heart here, but I'm gonna go with an Arsenal win and a Newcastle goal. Um, I don't. I don't know if we can score three against a team that because he had like twenty goals all season. So three one is what I want to go with. That's what my heart is saying. But two one seems like the most likely win if we win at all. But I'm gonna go for three one anyway. I'm gonna go for three one anyway okay. because I'm gonna let my like heart that. dictate my prediction there. So unlike you, I am never letting my heart dictate a result again because <laughs> I've only, I've only, I've only done it. <laughs> Hand on heart, like hand, <laughs> hand, hand on heart. This season, I've gone with my head on, and what I believed was true, true logic and rationale for every prediction, except one game, which was the City one, where my head said we're going to lose comfortably, and then in my heart, I was like, no, I've watched Fever Pitch, I've watched the '89 film, we're just, we're going to do it somehow, and I didn't actually believe it, um, so I'm never doing that again. And unfortunately, looking at rationale, logic tactical matchups up I think we're gonna lose like I just, if I'm being completely honest I think I think the Kivi or Gabriel thing might get a little bit not exposed but I think we're gonna struggle I think that's really gonna I think they're gonna press us really really smartly and we're gonna see the limitations of it and even though I'm saying we need parties physical presence in the midfield, I think we're going to lose that midfield battle. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I worry about that midfield battle. I really do. And I don't get, I don't get me wrong. I don't think we're going to get battered like we did last season, but I think we're just going to fall short and I'm going 2-1 to the Geordies, unfortunately, which makes me sick saying that. But like I said, I always want to say what Is I Is that the first loss believe. that we've actually predicted all season? between either I think it might be, yeah. I need to update that. It's the first loss. I fell behind it's, it, on it. We, we've got we, we've got to game week thirty six, and it's the first loss we've predicted all season. Wow, what a season we've had as a club! That that's how confident we've been all year, yeah, right? Oh, that is I crazy. Feel Ill. So in the well, chat, by the way, so I think Terrace has gone for two one Arsenal. Inshallah, Mike has gone for one two, which I assume is one for Newcastle as the home team. Cool. All nice. right. Is there any questions in the chat? Otherwise, I think. 
to be fair, like we both have a meeting in a couple of minutes. Yeah, um, and obviously, here. apologies for the delay earlier, guys. And I had internet installed and the broadband engineer was having major issues trying to connect the cables up. Um, so it really pushed back the start time, unfortunately. But um, I'm hoping to obviously hear some good things. I know Bobby, who was on the show as a guest recently, he, he was looking at maybe trying to go watch the game in the away end. But I think some of those ticket prices were quite extortionate. They were like 300 quid or something, which is mental compared to face value. It's like 10 times markup. But hopefully, um, I might. I, I thought, you know, the game we did on the Friday night against Southampton was going to be the last game I'd get to see this season live. But then obviously, fortunately, I managed to go catch the Chelsea game live. So that was really nice. And now I might actually be going to the Arsenal-Brighton game on the 14th of May, which is my birthday nice. weekend. So I need to wait for the missus oh, wait, to come when, home when and your find birthday? out if I can do it. So it's actually on um, it's on the Saturday, May 13th. But I'm oh, going to see I'm the week after you. I'm, I'm the 19th. Oh, are you? No way. Yeah. We're going to have to have a big tourist celebration. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping to get to that. Obviously, I can't go to the Wolves game at home because that's when I'm hosting the big FPL meetup in London. I think it's going to be the biggest one ever. So there's already nearly 80 RSVPs to say they're attending, which... It's pretty nuts. Um, I don't think we've ever had 80-plus people at the meetup. So we'll see how that goes uh, with the FPL community. I'm going to come after the, the Arsenal game. Yeah, popping because obviously a bank holiday and um, we're going to be there till like, it shuts and there's loads of people coming way later, like 8pm and stuff. So, like, nice. there's definitely worth coming if anyone's at a stadium and wants to come after. Um, I think no questions, but what we will say is that Terence's comment of Big Sam has a plan and I would tend to agree. I hope that he does. I hope he comes out and, you know, just takes those points for us because I know Leeds have been dreadful, but come on, Sam. Like, England's Parked best ever fucking manager. Bus. Yeah, honestly, 100% Fucking two, come on. <laughs> you got to do it for us, man. Please, please. Sam, I will get a poster of you and I will put it on my wall for the stream okay, when we you don't need to say anything game. else i'm worried what else you would do <laughs> no 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 I'll, I'll just i'll just put it on the wall and i'll um, <laughs> i'll make sure that it's there to celebrate but sorry we missed you delia um, we are actually just jumping off now but um we will see you at fpl meets yeah Ho- hopefully um hopefully there's cake left when clayton arrives after the emirates but if not <laughs> yeah, we will make one. sure we eat <laughs> yeah we'll save you one slice um, but you're gonna have to play beer pong against delia because she is the reigning champion right now so I need I need a partner who's good at that. Challenge accepted. Nice one. Not, well, love uh, it to you all. Thank you for <laughs> tuning in live, guys. Good to see you, Sankal, uh, Mike, Terence, if your sandwich, and Delia. We will see everyone next time. Otherwise, have a good weekend. Up the Arsenal, and hopefully on to another victory as we keep that pressure on. Nice one. Thanks, everyone. Up the Arsenal. Come on. Up, up the Arsenal. Come on.